like family with Brenda Donoghue. Thanks for joining me. This is a Gymboree class in Tala for babies. These infants will be part of the generation who will live longer than any other generation in Irish history. It's a good place to start this week's Like Family as we look at families an older age. And you can join the conversation on Twitter at Brenda Donoghue or email brenda at rte.ie. Turn around and clap, clap. Turn around and clap, clap. Turn around and This clap, is a lovely moment here. What's your name? Tell me who you've got there and you're breastfeeding them at the moment. Yeah, my name is Ruth and this is Ryan. He just turned six months old there a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he's, yeah, happy and content once he's got a full tummy. Yeah, he's like getting a full tummy. Getting yeah. a full tummy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think about yourself and growing old and what you'll be like when you're 80? It's hard to think. I mean, when I, I'm 38 now and when I was 20, I used to think 38 was really old. And now I'm 38, I'm like, that sure, that's still young. Um, so I don't know, I suppose age is relative to how you feel and how your health is at the time. Mm-hmm. You could be a young 80-year-old or you could be a very elderly 80-year-old. And what way do you think you'll be? Um, I'm hoping I'll still be young in my heart and mind and hopefully healthy. Let this little baby in your arms here, one of these children born could possibly live to be 150. He could live to be 150. What would you think of that? What kind of life would he have, do you think? It's I don't know, it's hard to believe that... You hear people now, 103, 104, and it's hard to think of somebody going a lot over that. I'm hoping that with you know advances in medical care, that people can live a healthier and have good quality of life. I suppose it's the quality of life that's important. If you're 130, 140, 150, you need to be able to live a satisfying life or whatever that is for you. So I'm hoping that's what he would get. No. So hopefully... <laughs> he wants more food. He wants more. <laughs> yeah. Looking at little Eva now, she's getting her bottle. She's very content. She could live to be over 100, maybe even as far as 150. I can't imagine people living till till uh, to that age. I, I suppose in years gone by, you wouldn't have, have expected people to live to to the age they do now. So it's going to be inevitable that it'll come that people will be living longer, and I, I suppose everything will work around it so that their quality of life will will also be as good. While these babies are busy being babies, Professor Roseanne Kenny is trying to figure out how things will work to give these and future generations that good quality of life. Tilda is a very large study of adults in Ireland, people over the age of 50. And what we're doing is following people aged 50 and older through for at least a 10 year period and maybe longer to try and understand what it's like to be a older middle-aged and older, older person in Ireland and also to understand more about the process of ageing and maybe what we should be doing to make the ageing experience a better experience. So, so from, an, from an Irish perspective, this is people over the age of 50 in Ireland contributing hugely to future generations in the country. That's massive. And while examining the lives of older citizens, Professor Kenny's team have spotted something really important. And and probably most important of all, we understand, maybe for the first time, the enormous contribution that older people are making. But that, that was pretty invisible until very recently. And now we've got hard statistics to put behind that. We, we know that one in four older adults are actually providing at least 20 hours of care to grandchildren. Think what that's doing to finances in Ireland. It's freeing up our economy. It's allowing parents to work. So a huge contribution. Harry. So how does that contribution work? James is at school, but his little brother Harry hasn't started yet. Okay. Yes, Harry's blankets. Aww. Both are minded by their grandmother Jean in Killen County, Kildare. We're waiting for their mammy Neve, and I just wondered, how did the day go? No, they were good today. It was a good day. Mm. Even though we have all our clothes drip drying in the utility room, we got wet three times today, but you're. It's Ireland. What do you do? What do you do? We have RTE Junior <laughs> on in the background. 
<laughs> it's a lifesaver at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, when it's raining outside, when they can't get out. Yeah. The way you are with Harry and James and your other grandchildren compared to the way you were with your own children, any difference? Oh, I would have a hundred times more patience with my grandchildren. Mm. Um, I've more time to sit down and relax and do things with them. Our doors are opening. I'm like, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you're all right. um, but the difference is I can hand them back at the end of the night to their mum and dad, you see, so I can relax. Whereas when mine were all small, it was non-stop. So you're tired. Mm. But now, you see, I'm older and wiser. <laughs> so it's not as bad. No, no. No, I have great patience with them. If we've, you're good. We found chocolate. If you're good. Yeah. Just after five, leaves home. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you? How was school? It was very good. And did you learn loads of new stuff? Um, yeah, I le- and I learned a new letter. <gasps> what was your new letter? Oh. Oh? Yeah, it makes the ox sound. Good boy. The octopus. Oh, good boy. I'm so proud. Brenda, oh. she's just done such a great job with them. Like, she really has. I know she's my mammy and all, but she's done... You couldn't send them to a crash. Mm. It wouldn't be the same as the contact they get every day with their mum, with their granny. And they call her ma'am before they come to me. <laughs> and how does that make you feel? Do you mind that? No. Not no. at all. No, no. God, no. She's reared them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like, we'd be lost if she wasn't here. We'd be completely lost without her. Like... From the from sun up till sundown, she rears my kids while I go out and work to pay my bills. Mm. Like Mom. what else? You couldn't put value to that. No, no way. Say you've certain ways of bringing them up, maybe rules or whatever, and you might have different ones, Jean. So what happens, Neve? Do we ever have any issues? Oh, yeah. yeah, constant issues. Like go I on. would say something, and she'd say, "Well, I gave birth to them to my children." <laughs> well, I'd say. Well, I mind them eight hours a day or ten hours a day. So when they're here, they go under my rules. And then she's butting then again and say, but they're my children. Even the, f- the food, mm. the food. I always bring up dinners. So dinners would arrive and it could be shepherd's pie, it could be lasagna, whatever we'd had for dinner the night before. Then you might ring at lunchtime. Mom, do the kids eat their dinner? Oh, no, I give them pizza. And you'd be the blood boiling going, I brought up a dinner for them and you still took a pizza out of the freezer and gave them the pizza. Those kind of things. But then she's wearing them. She's the one listening to them when they say they don't want the food that I cook for them. They want what Nanny's going to give them. Mm. What do you do? By the way, they didn't eat the dinner that you sent up today. So I put on chicken goujons and and potato waffles. (laughs) So the dinner is still in the fridge. That's normal. Anyway, once they're eating, I don't care. Do you see that she's any different with, say, your kids than she was with you oh growing up? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't put a foot wrong. I told we you. Used to have... <laughs> oh, Brenda, you should have seen what she used to do with us. We used to have, she used to have these hard slippers, right? And no matter what we did wrong, she used to scream. I mean, she was like a banshee. And she used to... We'd run up the stairs and she used to throw the slipper up after us and everything. She used to kill us. But it did us no harm. No harm was done. And we laugh about it now, about what she did with us. But she's so different now with mine. Ah, leave them alone. Asher, what harm are they doing? Like James is just running around. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go on, go on. No, now, like with my two, she's much... She's so relaxed with my two. And I'm the one giving out to them and she's the one telling me to leave them alone. What harm are they doing? But... If I did what they do, I would have been murdered growing mm. up. But it's the way times change. I wonder, does age mellow them? Or is it because it's their grandkids and they're sent home at the end of the day? That could be it either. If you had to pay for childcare full time, could you afford that? I mean, in terms of no. what Jean is offering you? No. Financially speaking? No, I couldn't afford to go out to work. That's yeah. the only reason I can work is that I have my mum still here. Mm. I wouldn't be able to afford to. I barely earn enough mm. now to get us through a month without adding a crash fee on top of it. No way. Mm. She's the rock of the house for us. Like she does so much. Mm. And I know she thinks we don't appreciate her. And I know she thinks I don't appreciate her, but oh my God, Brenda, she does so much. Like I can't take any credit for my children, for the way they've been brought up. All their manners, everything she's done with them is all her. And for that, we'll be forever grateful. Like she's done everything for us. 
no matter like we wouldn't be able to afford to go out even and do stuff with the kids unless we had mum here mm. because well what I do is like sorry, sorry, when they one. go to when they're going back to school I buy all their uniforms mm. for them uh, to help out the five of them yeah. I buy their uniforms yeah and if they need something during the year they get that as well how would you describe your dynamic as a mother and daughter oh, relationship? Oh yeah, we bounce off each other. Mm. Yeah, I'm very headstrong. Mm. She's very headstrong as well. I'm very headstrong. So yeah, we would bounce. Yeah, I'd bounce badly. But then it's forgotten about nearly straight away. No, there wouldn't be a week go by that I wouldn't have her out her. Mm. Oh yeah, about something or other, and Mom, she'd go the out. Two children running around the sitting room. As they're That's doing now. Yeah, do with it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she'd go out the door. And she say f- everything is fine with me. When it's fine, you know she's <laughs> she's contrary. But I I just dig my heels in and say right, you know. But I wouldn't be home. Like it's forty minutes drive home. I'd say I'm only home in the door when I'd be on the phone going, well, any news? Are you all right? <laughs> oh, whatever about the odd crossword, Neve knows that the time Jean spends with them is very important to her boys, Harry and James. Dr Jane Gray is one of the co-authors of a study called Family Rhythms and from interviewing grandparents she confirms Jean's experience. They describe how they feel that they have the time now as well as the experience to um, you know, care for children or to pay attention to children in ways that parents who are busy with their jobs and worries and, and so on may not have the time uh, to, to, to spend. And so grandparents really see their role as being, uh, as one of the participants in our study described it, as a kind of calming influence on children. Uh, and of course, grandparents feel free to spoil their children in ways that uh, parents don't. And perhaps that balance between sort of the parents attempting to impose boundaries and grandparents spoiling their children is one that really uh, works very well for everybody concerned. I think it's important to point out too though that the opportunities that children have for these kinds of relationships with grandparents are greater now at least partly because you know people are living longer so uh, a greater number of grandparents are likely to survive into a healthy old age when they can actually have these kinds of relationships with grandchildren. So while the content of the relationship, you know, you see that continuity, the opportunity for the relationship has actually increased for children and for and for grandparents as well. So I asked the real experts at St. Raphael's National School in Ballyfermot about their grandparents. My nanny's name's Kathleen and my granddad's name is Lawrence. They live in Bally Firm and I live in Inchicore and usually Wednesday, Thursday and Fridays I go to see them. And what do you do when you see them? Well, we watch TV and sometimes we talk about things. Like? How was my day in school and stuff. And do they listen to you? Yeah. They like listen to me like I'm really important. Like it's like when the news is on they really want to listen to it. So they, they, they listen to you nearly as much as they listen to the news? You are important then. Well, my nanny got an, uh, a, uh, an iPad and she won't stop talking about it. Like she said, that the iPad's our best friend and that's all she talks about. And do you think it's funny that your nanny's on the iPad? Yeah, because you can hear her in the other room and my granddad keeps laughing at her all the time. <laughs> and do you feel very close to your nanny and granddad? Yeah. In what way? Like I can tell them anything that's going on. They won't like judge me for it. Like My nanny... Um, is like, she's like a painter or artist because she paints pictures for my mummy to hang up in the wall in my bedroom. Oh, and what has she painted? She painted me and my sister or my me and my mum. I asked her one day, um, when I grow up, I want to be an artist like you, nanny, because I like the way she paints the pictures. My nanny is very nice. She's like a doctor. Anytime I'm sick, like I go to her and she's like, oh yeah, this you can do this and you can do that and it'll be fine. My nanny has a good sense of humour, thank God. Because one time I said to her, because one time I said to her, nanny, when you die, will I get to go into a limo? And she started laughing and she probably laughed for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and she said, if that was anybody else and they didn't have a good sense of humour, then they probably wouldn't like me saying that. <laughs> But I know that she has a nice sense of humour, so it's okay. I think you love your nanny very much, I do love you? Her very much. Like I love her so much. Yes, grandparents are much loved, but growing older is not without its challenges. 
James and Harry have just left with their mum, Neve, and Jean tidies away their toys. Then she tells me the story of Ernie, that's her late husband, and how exactly they met. Ran for a bus when I was 16. He was a bus conductor. He stopped the bus, jumped on the bus, and he said to me, I'm on this route all week. That was on the Monday, asked me out on the Friday. Went out on the Friday night and he told me he was going to marry me. That was fast. That was fast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and did you feel the same? Yeah, I thought he was nice. I did. I thought he was nice. Mm. Um, he lived in Glasnevin and I lived in Finglas. So there was a bit of, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks from his family. Because I came from a corporation house and they lived in a private house. That's the way things were done years ago. But we got married in 72. I got married, actually, the day before my 18th birthday. And we were married for just under 40 years. And still when he walked in the evening and said, hello, wife. And I said, hello, husband. My heart is still miss a beat. What was your wedding day like? We got married in the Annunciation Church in Finglas. The house in Finglas was facing the church. So I seen him coming. We're missing the dress bit and all that. The dress bit was um, Swiss lace with a big, huge train and a big, huge veil. And just I thought I was the bee's knees. And we went to the Hollybrook Hotel. We had our meal. And then we got on a boat that evening and went to the Isle of Man for our honeymoon. So the Isle of Man was the go-to destination, destination of, yeah. for wedding couples yeah. around a certain period, wasn't yeah, it? Kind 70s. of late 60s, 70s. Late 70s, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I wore a purple mini skirt. <laughs> and a pair of high boots going. And I thought I was gorgeous. And more to the point, he thought I was gorgeous, so I mean, that was it. And then five years ago, on a bright Saturday morning in Spain, Ernie died suddenly. And um, that was it. That was that was the end of my life, the way we had it. Something died with me that day. That Everyone said to me that that sparkle that I used to have in my eyes and I used to have about me never came back and it didn't come back. And I know I go through the day and I know I can do A, B, C. I know, but he's not with me. He's not with me. And I, I honestly can say, but I say every minute of every day I think about him. In some ways... Maybe I was too close to him and he was too close to me because it was just him and me. We did everything together. 40 years together. Just under 40. Just under 40. I know he's gone, but Mm. do you feel you were lucky to have that? I always believe if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. I was meant to be late that morning running for that bus. And he was meant to be a bus conductor on that bus. And we were meant to just meet. And, and you know, and we did go through her. And like the 80s, we would no money, we, like everyone. But we were no different to anyone else then. And we did go through hard times. But he, we always got into bed at night. And every night he told me he loved me. And he had started up his Facebook page. And I know nothing about it. Like he's all, he was all into that. And he just said, happy in my life and happy in, in my work. And that was four days before he died. So. Jean, I'm thinking of you buying the little place in Alicante. And I'm thinking about the plans you must have yeah. made for the future. As you grow old mm. together. Did you feel all that was taken away from yeah. you? And now you have to grow old on your own. It, you're right. No, it's not the same. We used to hire a car at the airport and we used to pull up to the house. And as we pulled up to the house, both our hearts would be beating, thinking, oh my God, we're here. This is fantastic. We're here for three weeks. And we used to be like children going into the house. And we just adored it, adored it. 
there's no no happiness in the house anymore for me it's it took me nearly five years to go over on my own mm. and last year I did it on my own and it was no I didn't like it I didn't like it have you had to change the way you think then about how you're going to spend the last years Jeez. of your life yeah, because I, he's not here yes of course and what have you thought I'm of the opinion I don't want to get old old mm. without him I don't want to be dependent on anyone. I don't want to be stuck in a house that I'm only barely able to get up to the shops. I don't want to have to ring my children to say, I have a hospital appointment and I can't get on a bus. Um, I No, I don't... I want to go really and truly like Ernie went when I've done the rearing of the kids and... You mean the grandkids? The grandkids. Yeah. And just keel over. I'm just thinking it must be a very different house for you in the evening when everybody's gone. It's very, very quiet. It's It can be very lonely. Um, it can be overly quiet. Um, the only thing I'll say is I'm tired in the evening from kind of... All the comings and goings during the day. And now and I look forward to Saturday and Sunday. And it could be the most boring days then. I'd be thinking, oh, I wish one of them had come. You know, even though uh, you'd be saying, oh, I'll do this and do that and do the other. But when it's cold and it's wet and it's miserable, you're not inclined to go out. And the day is long. The day is long, you know, without anyone. Jean is experiencing the loneliness of older age, even though she's a friendly, active, healthy and independent woman. That loneliness is not unusual at all and is of concern to Dr Roseanne Kenny. Believe it or not, loneliness can cause physical ill health and social isolation can because it triggers in the body a biological process. It causes inflammation in the cells in the body and it's the same inflammation that underpins heart disease and cancer, and even brain diseases. So loneliness is really bad for you. Loneliness is very bad for society. And if we could possibly, if we could rid our society of loneliness and social isolation, we would we would have a healthier and happier society. So how are we going to do that? You know, if, if we think back on what communities were like, what um, care was like, you know, you knew your neighbours. There was no question that you lived, you know, 50 years ago in Ireland. You knew everybody on your street. You knew everybody on the road. You stopped, you talked. We had small local shops. That's that's what we used. We used our local community so that everybody was, the whole process was in, interdependent and worked really well, functioned really well. That's not just good for ageing. That's a good community spirit and a good community environment for everybody. So I think as a society, we need to reflect on how we're going to get back to richer local communities. That will be, that is better. That's good for everyone. Um, It's good for the local community in terms of resource also. It keeps the local community vibrant, but it makes for a much better living environment for all. So what can a community do to respond to loneliness? It's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. I'm in the offices of Good Morning Donegal and Bunkrana to meet project manager Francis Brown. Good morning, Mary. It's Marcetta here from Good Morning Service. Yeah, how are you today? Good girl. You've got your home help with you? Good. And you have had your breakfast and everything? That's grand. Well, I won't keep you then. I'll let you get back to that, OK? All right, Mary. We've just walked into this room and we have three women sitting at by computers with headphones on, on. They're obviously talking to different people. Talk to me about the setup here. Good morning, Donegal. Well, the initial idea was about a loneliness and isolation because there was a survey done here and isolation and loneliness among older people was a huge problem. Um, it still is today. So we use local volunteers in local areas to make calls to local people because we want them to feel part of the community so that they can talk about what's happening in the community, what's going on, who has been born, who has died, all of those things that are very important. And as Donegal is such a massive place from here to Ballyshannon, there's like 
different worlds. So the people in Ballyshannon need to know what's happening in Ballyshannon. Yeah. And same in Falcara, you know, there are different people and we, we make the calls in Falcara in Irish because our volunteers can speak fluent Irish. So that's the reason why we're out in those different areas because that's the proper way to do things. But loneliness is, is a killer. It definitely is, I think. And, Hello. Good morning, Millie. Good morning. This is Fiona ringing. I'm ringing from the Good Morning Service. Hello. How are you today? I'm not too bad. I'm saying my prayers. You're saying your prayers, right. That's an awful morning. Oh, it's a bad morning, I. Hello, can I jump in there, Millie? I'm Brenda Dunhu from R2 Radio, and I suppose I better say good morning, Donegal, to you. How are you today? I'm fine, I'm fine. And tell me, this service, the calls that you get... Are they important to you? Do they, they kind of help yes, focus your day? Important. And I think it's just fantastic. I get a call Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And it's great. I look forward to that. And what do you chat about, Millie? We just talk about the weather. Do you know, like, it's like when you meet somebody in the morning, you have a wee pleather about nothing. You know, we talk about the weather and what you're doing and what you have to do and things like that. And sometimes... Maybe go back and talk about things that used to be. It's quite, it's quite good. It's just great to hear from them, you know. And Millie, would you be lonely? Would you say? I'm sort of used on my own now. You get used to being on your own, but getting a phone call and a wee chat is, does help a, a lot. Millie, thanks so much for talking to me. I appreciate that and um, continued good health. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Geraldine's on the other line. You have to go today anyway. And then you'll be glad to get home. And you can see about battling your next night on your own. She's a widow, like many of the women she calls, and knows the importance of a kind word and a little bit of humour. See what happens and I'll talk to you soon. Look after yourself. Oh, sure, it's easy to be good when you're old, isn't it? We can't do anything, sure, that's the problem. We're all trapped in an old body. Seventeen trapped in an old body. Huh? <laughs> You're okay now. And God bless you, and I'll talk to you soon. Be on to you next week again. God bless, God bless. Take care. I've just been eavesdropping on that call. That was a hard call. Wasn't it? I've been through that. My husband dropped dead over two years ago. And I tell her, I swore that I would never, ever be able to sleep on my own. But now I'm doing it. When you lose your husband and your partner, it's half of you is gone. Like, it really, me and my husband always talked about it, but what I never envisaged is how it would feel. You can't explain the loneliness until you go through it. So you've gone through it and you're, wor- you're volunteering yeah. here in Good Morning Donegal. Yeah. Yeah. I presume it's because you get something back from giving oh, back. I get loads out of it. I hit to miss, I hit to miss this year. I get loads out of it and I think that they should have one from 7 to 10 at night as well because they're the loneliest, speaking as a person on her own, the loneliest time for people is between 7 and 10 or 12 at night because you're on your own, really, really on your own that time of night. So if there was some kind of a good evening service, I think it would be great. May also volunteers. And May, if you don't mind me ask. You yes. came up from Dublin to Bunkrana yes. here. Did, yes. What? Yeah. What? Well, it wasn't a man, was it? No, it wasn't a man. No, because he's, <laughs> he's already a Donegal man oh, from the Fala Peninsula. Yes, yeah. but, but then uh, it was a but man. No, well, no, but it, the, reason, the reason we came up because my daughter got married up here and she'd only been three months with the boyfriend and got married in three months. So her whole lives were turned upside down. Our only child. So when I was um, when she was expecting her first baby, I said, um, "Here I go." So um, leaving Dublin was a wrench in itself and, I, and they all told me I was mad but as I said to you, I've no regrets. It's been absolutely brilliant. And when she had her first baby, then when she was expecting her first baby, I made a decision to take early retirement and um, I have a big input in their lives and they're now 11 and 8 and um, what I would have missed if I'd stayed in Dublin. You know, so they're just my pride and joy. And then, of course, you decide to give back and you're volunteering here in Good Morning Donegal. Yes, yeah. 
you're blazing a trail a bit, May, aren't you? Yeah, I suppose you could put it that way. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but this is my uh, this is my 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 favourite hobby because it's just wonderful to talk to the people and you get they get so much. I get so much from them and they also they build up a bond with you. They know my voice now. When I came up here first, I was a bit reticent about um, coming because of my well Dublin accent but um, actually it was an advantage because I didn't know anything about them and they knew nothing about me so over the years then um, they've got to know me very well they know my voice to me I come on the phone and I know it there so it's great great yeah are you ever making the calls and you're chatting to somebody and you just feel the situation is desperate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, sometimes people are very depressed, and we have a little. You know, we've all these little sections here that we can put in. You know, cause for concern or whatever, and we follow that up then as well. I actually ring two people that have dementia, but we know they're being very well looked after. But some of them would talk maybe for maybe a quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, because they like um, looking back to the past, talking about the times they went dancing, they went singing, and all the things they did in the past, and. I feel really fulfilled that I'm able to hold a conversation. Even one of them was singing for me last week. You know. Francis, I see the list of calls is going to go on and on all morning. But it's not just that you do here. Tell me about your befriending service. We match a volunteer with the client in their home and they visit them once a week for two hours. Okay. Uh, it's as simple as that. And I think the best way for you to, to get to know what that's about is to actually go out and visit a few of our clients out there who, who avail of the service. Right. We'll go on the road then. On the road. On the road we go. So, what way am I going? Yeah, we'll just take the turn here for Muff now, Brenda. Lovely. That's great. But I think that um, the family has changed so much over the years because um, grandparents now are very much left to their own devices. Uh, and it's because that they're working uh, if you're working a full time job and you've got two or three children to care for to get to school, homework out to this activity, that activity by the time the day's finished you're done out by 10 o'clock at night and, and the last thing you're thinking of is your, your mother or father or your grandparent sitting at home you know you just don't have the time for it and like they do try at the weekend to call and visit and it might be a running in and running out job um, but I mean we do try to you know highlight the, the fact that people are sitting lonely yeah. and like with services like our, our own it does alleviate loneliness you know you can see the day the interaction between the volunteers and the yeah. clients it's a lovely thing and like they have a great conversation and they look forward to the call the next day Francis, give me a moment here as we're driving into Moville. Yeah. Shall I just take in this view? It's yes. spectacular it here. Beautiful. What are we looking out at? Loch Foyle? That's, that's Loch Foyle, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the mountains there? There, that's Northern Ireland across there. Okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful county, it really is. And Moville's a lovely town, it really is. So, Francis, part of the befriending service, this is a yes, couple you'd visit. Yes, a couple that we visit, yeah. Pull in here, yeah. yeah. Michael's got Parkinson's and... Um, his wife Margaret is uh, his full-time carer. Yeah. And um, they they wanted a, a befriender to come and befriend Michael, so yeah. that I'd give M uh, Margaret a couple of hours of, of respite. She can mm -hmm. go and she can go and do her shopping or go and visit friends or go for a coffee or whatever it is she wants mm -hmm. to do for a couple of hours. We'll head and so and see if if uh, if they'll have a wee chat with us. Okay. <laughs> you lead the way. Go on, on I'm there. That door's open. Hello. Yeah. Hello. This is Brenda from RTE. Yeah. Brenda from RTE. She's going to do some uh, talking to us today and find out about yourself and what you've been up to. Oh, we're too late now. Too late? I'm nearly, uh, I'm nearly 90. I'm nearly 90. Oh, God, you're looking too well on it. Too late now to come. You're looking well on it, so you're yeah. <laughs> I can't go away and leave him on his own. Mm. His Ever? Dimension. No. I could do it, but I'm afraid. Mm. It's a lot of pressure. Yes, it is. But I don't, want, I don't want anything to happen to him. And how does that affect you then? Well, I could send him in for respite, but I don't want to do that. 
because there's too much pressure on me to do that. Why? Well, I might as well be on as him because I'd be worrying about him. That's a very strong love. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Mm. And at my age, I don't want to part. What age are you? <laughs> In around. 82. Oh, my goodness. And do you find that you're lonely because Michael isn't the Michael that you would have known a couple well, of years yeah, ago? Well, you miss your friends. You must go out with your friends. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I must go out with Michael. Yeah. So he can't come out. I don't like going out without him. So obviously your life now is taken up minding him. Getting yes. the odd little bit of a break for yourself. Yes, yes. That's it? Yes, that's it. And looking out at this magnificent um, view. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you get tired looking out at that as well, don't you? Well, I'm eating into your very precious break time. So I'm going to let you go. What are you going to do now with your few hours? I am going out now to have a cup of coffee and relax. Mm. For maybe half an hour or so. And then I'm going to do a bit of shopping. And Liam is going to stay with Michael while mm. I'm out. Mm. And you're and happy with that? Peace of, I have great peace of mind when mm. I am out mm. because I know he's safe. How much does that mean to you? A lot. Mm. means a lot. It's a great service. Bye, Michael. Bye. I'll see you in a couple of hours. Bye. Bye, Michael. Bye. See you later. You take care now. Yeah. Well, as Margaret says, good morning, Donegal services mean a lot to the older people I spoke to. In older age, our bodies and minds become more frail and we may become more dependent on others. Professor Roseanne Kenny is trying to identify the keys to happiness at this stage of life. First of all, I think sort of at a a high level, it's important to realise that people must have choice and they have to feel in control. And also, very often, they need meaning. We, we all need meaning in our lives. You know, so, to, to, so, so not, to, not to rob people of choice, control or meaning. That's important uh, for happiness. I'm hearing guitars. Yes. Well, today we have one of our staff, Johnny, and he's a very nice country and western guitar player. Yeah. But it also coincides with one of our residents' birthdays. And we won't mention what age she is, but she's in the middle of the floor dancing with one of our staff, Mary. And everybody's sitting around and they're all delighted to see you. At the Sacred Heart Nursing Home in Roscommon Town, the team are trying to encourage choice, control, meaning in their residents' lives. I'm being shown around by Mary Butler and Bernie Stevens. Marys here. Another Mary here. You're in the nursing home here, enjoying well, the music this afternoon. The music, everything. Is it social here? You have a lot of visitors. Oh, we do. We have quite a lot of visitors. But you know, we enjoy it, and I find it very helpful. Well, it is lovely talking to you. Another Mary. What's your name? Mary Monahan. And where are you from, Roscommon, Mary? Cavan. Oh dear, I said the wrong thing. Bally Jim stuff. Bally Jim, come back Paddy Riley. Yeah. (laughs) I bet you know that one too, do you? I know some of it. Uh, Tell me, how long are you here? In the care home. About the month, yeah. She knows, she knows. And are you settling in okay? I am, I'm shopping in. Yeah. Just after Christmas, she joined in a charity walk with the Le Carreau Walkers Club. And we did a good walk and she was in the newspaper last week, so she was delighted with that. And on guitar, for is, is it an impromptu session? We have John Mann. You were working here, John. I work here, yeah. Last, and would you play guitar every most week, days? Every week, yeah. Parties and birthdays and any excuse, you know. Yeah. Well, John is a particularly good musician for this kind of gathering. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's superb at it. And you enjoy it, so? Oh, very much. Good, though. good. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I saw Mary yeah, dancing first, with some yeah, of the residents yeah, yeah. earlier, yeah. yeah. Mm. It really is a different approach to yeah, care for people yeah it? it is yeah. we we kind of focus on everything about the person the holistic approach to them and whatever we work on their strengths rather than their weaknesses yeah. and we bring them out shopping if they want to go shopping the women love that uh, mm. the men not so much but the men go out to place a bet or something like that oh yeah oh god we have a great gambling scene here I wouldn't tell you about <laughs> it to talk about his own <laughs> but there's a great gambling scene yeah and we get great tips too for some of the horses <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> men love the pubs. They love the races. We go to the races, yes. go to the pubs with the men. It's funny, you kind of think, God, should you, should you be bringing them to pubs? Should you be bringing them gambling? Yeah. Why shouldn't you? Yeah, why shouldn't why you? Shouldn't kind of, your life doesn't end when you come into our, um, a nursing home. You know, it's just, it's, it's a continuation and it's just, there's a change in your circumstances, but it doesn't end. Yes. You know, yes. you're still living. Yeah. You know, and we see it very much so here. People have huge interest, you know, a huge input. And, you know, we have been so blessed by the stories. You know, fabulous lives, great people, have great admiration for them. Yeah, and I hope, you know, when I get old, I'll find somewhere like this. <laughs> Some, somebody that'll do my nails and put on my makeup and, yeah, all that kind of a thing. Well, come here, you finish your shift, I'll let you go. Thanks, yeah. thanks yeah. for talking to Not me. Not at all, and thanks for coming, yeah. Not at all, a pleasure. Yes, loved it. Okay. We'll see you Friday. Take care. No, yeah, Friday, lovely staff. Lovely, lovely staff. And uh, staff that go above and beyond what they're, they're asked to do, really and truly. And I think they do that because they genuinely care about the resident. Mm. And uh, like... What annoys me sometimes is that people look at an older person and they immediately think of they're not able to do anything, they're not able to contribute anything, and that they have to be cared for and everything has to be done for them. Totally different. If if uh, you have to look at an older person and think of uh, what they can contribute and what they can give back to us, mm-hmm. and anything that we give them, we get back in a hundredfold back from them, and that can be just meeting somebody and realizing what they have gone through in their life and what they have uh, contributed. And I think we have to remember that remember what we can learn from these wonderful people and uh, what Mint Joy they can give back to us the lads are playing cards in here will we go in and say hello to them of course sure who's who's winning oh your man up here at the head of the table (laughs) (laughs) well we'll have to be be careful with him I'm only an innocent here what's your name you're dealing the cards I am yeah do you trust him <laughs> How much are you betting? Ten, ten pence a game. Ten pence a game. Do you play cards every day, Paul? We do, we do, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most most days. Mm. Most days, yeah. How long are you in here? That's a good question. About a year. About a year. About a year, yeah. And have you settled in okay? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Home from home. In a way. It's like any place else. You'll have good days, bad days. Up, you wish some days you wish you weren't here, and days you're glad you were. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. It's great to have it. What are your friendships like here? Good. Mm. Good. Yeah, we're good old crew. Mm. Good old crew. Yeah. It's like it's like any it's like any place, any community. There's always one or two you're not going to get on with. You know, yeah. we're, we're not all <laughs> long, we're not all around kissing each other all the time or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in general, we get on. Everyone gets on, especially here in this crowd. There's, as I said, there's one or two that you want yeah. to see eye to eye. All right. Well, look, uh, continue your game there. Yeah, Don't let me yeah. stop you. Yeah. What's the trump? I know your hand is not bad for it. Bye bye. And then it's out into the sunshine with Mary Butler. Now we're coming out to the second garden and this is to the south of the building mm-hmm. and in summertime it's a little bit of a sun trap. We've ma- had many a barbecue out here <laughs> okay. uh, whenever the weather is good, but it is good in fairness, it yes. is a sun trap. We have a little gazebo up here. Mm-hmm. Now this gazebo is a typical example of how residents are empowered and how they actually take control and I just have to sit up and listen and say, oh yes, that's a good idea. And We'll sit down in the gazebo. It's a... Six-sided gazebo with a little deck chair and uh, you can see some people like to have a little cigarette but that's part of it. But in the summertime this is where residents and staff chat about things and what they'd like. So we have a structure as managers to capture that through our governance meetings that we hold every single month and residents sit in on that and they'll talk about how they want to live their lives you know and there, w- there was a recent discussion about how we would spend money we have a little bit of money for the residents comfort fund which the community in Roscommon support us with and are very generous with that so we decided to spend money on painting this gazebo it's pa- beside the apple trees there and they're beautiful in autumn so every season there's something changing in this area on the back wall there there's a whole row of roses in the summertime in August they come out and they're beautiful but it was through that governance meeting that our residents now they can talk any time about what they'd like but this is a structure that makes it I suppose uh, transparent 
auditable, that this is uh, how residents tangible want to live their lives. Tangible, mm. exactly. Mm, mm. They actually see the results, they know where money is going, they can participate in it and see what's going on. It's the residents, through a committee, have the power to decide Absolutely. certain things yeah. about their yeah. lives. And that was a great, uh, I suppose, a paradigm shift, if you want to use those words, changing it from this institutional, top-down, hierarchical power to having power shifted on its head for residents. And we wanted residents to, gi- to give them that voice that we would listen and respond to what they were looking for. Mm. Do you know what? It's lovely sitting out here, it's isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very pleasant now yeah. and it's sheltered because yeah. you don't get the full blast of the wind mm-hmm. and you can even sit out when it's raining. But accepting that move into a nursing home can be very difficult. Willie told me about his mother, Ellen, and reflects on her sense of acceptance. She has been a resident here now in the Sacred Heart Home, actually, as it happens, just three years today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, three years today she came here. And um, the only sad part of it would be that I would be conscious that it wouldn't be what she would have liked, you know, or how she would see how her days would end, as it were, you know. Uh, and you'd you'd feel sorry for a person after all their hard work and their whole lifestyle that this is the way it is. When your mum Ellen came in here, was she accepting of it? As it came to the point where the hospital had here had to say, like, you know, well, your mum needs care, really, and the assessment they had from their medical assessments were, and consultations with her own doctor and so on, that she would need care. Then she didn't find that that particularly easy. She would still speak about going home and so on. You might still hear that even today, you know, but not as frequently and not with as much intensity. How does she feel, I suppose, at home in the, the, the Sacred Heart? Yeah, there is a very nice homely atmosphere here. And a nice atmosphere between the residents in the ward itself, you know, they, they look out for each other. And uh, my, in the particular ward where she is now, my mother would be the one with the least mobility, you know, and some of the others are very kind and very good in the way that they would see to it that she was OK and happy and kind of thing like that. So even though it mightn't be her, 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 her desired solution to her problem, she will say it's great to get the care. And she always says, oh, the girls are so good here. You know, and even now that she finds it difficult to take her food herself, you know, she said, I I remember saying to her one day, you know, do you mind that you have to get your food given? You know, she said it's very good to get it. Moira's mother, Francie, moved to the nursing home two years ago. She remembers her mother as a woman who loved her children and Simon and Garfunkel. But uh, she was a great character in her time. She was a great conversationalist and she was very family orientated. You see, my father died in 1975 and she was left with nine, well, I suppose I was 24, but I'm the second oldest of the family. So there was five going to school, so it was a big deal. She had to, you know, do a lot uh, to ensure that we were well-educated, all the different things that goes with it. But um, so she loved being with her family and... uh, how social life evolved around her family. And when we were, we'll say, in our 20s, she'd be out with us having, you know, uh, her social life. She'd have a few little drinks and all that goes with it and all of that type of thing. And um, then sometimes um, one of my sisters would take her to Drummer here in County Leitrim or another sister would take her to Lewisburg. I'd bring her up to Common. I'd spin around in the car with her. She loved that. And she loved uh, music. And she loved um, Simon and Garfunkel. And uh, I played in the car and she closed her eyes and said, I love that. But Moira experienced deep and complex emotions when her mother moved to the nursing home two years ago. Well, I felt, well, very guilty because I had an intention of looking after my mother and there was nine of us in family and I couldn't comprehend how nine people weren't able to look after, you know. And my sisters, um, some of them were all interested in my mother's welfare, but they had copped on to it quicker than me, you see. And um, I felt guilty and I also felt guilty because I remember years ago saying to her, you'll never end up in a nursing home. So that guilt was 
profound, I can assure you. And I also felt, I felt lonely and sad for the woman that I knew because the relationship had changed to me looking after her. Uh, we all felt that. Every single one of us felt like we were looking after our mother and she was looking after us. So mm. the dynamic changed for us and it was very difficult mm. for all of us. And for me personally, I felt, I, felt, um, I think I was grieving. And um, I wouldn't have called it grief at the time, I suppose, but I was grieving. Mm. And um, I had surges of grief, you could say, when I'd be travelling in the car uh, some days and I might have Simon and Garfunkel on, and that was it. And um, it was, I was talking, speaking to my sister yesterday and we, we were talking about this and she felt guilt as well about not looking after her mother. And then there was another voice in the head saying she's getting 24-hour care and she's been well looked after. And the decision we had to come to in the finish in the end was, is it in our mother's best interest to be in a nursing home or at home? And the conclusion we did come to is that she was better in the nursing home because they had great 24-hour care. And uh, the grieving and the anger. I, I was really angry with myself. Yeah. That you'd let her down, yeah. is that what you felt? Oh, found? absolutely. Mm -hmm. Angry with myself that with all my nursing experience and skills and so on, that I couldn't do this for my mother. Mm. Did you get a sense of relief at all when she came yeah. in? Absolutely. Mm. You see, there was mixed feelings. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, Brenda. There was mixed feelings. And I, even the other members of the family felt the same, that, um, you know, there was a great, there was a great relief because we were all, we were, when we were at home, we were overwhelmed at times with mm. the amount of stuff we had to do and all of that, and especially when the dementia kind of progressed. And... Um, so there was a sense of relief and then you kind of feel guilty with yourself mm. because you had a sense of, of relief, do you know? Myra knows these complicated emotions and this autumn she'll be helping to set up a support group for the families of residents of the Sacred Heart Hospital in Roscommon. Her mother Francie Byrne died aged 96 earlier this month, surrounded by her family and I extend my condolences to Myra and all her family. I'm heading back to Jim Marie in Talla, to where I began. Hello, are you joining us? Yes, you are. You're wide awake now. He's a gorgeous boy. These babies too need care, now given by their parents and grandparents. Later in life, they may give care to their older parents and their own young children. And later still, they may need care from their families again. Planning is key to their future. I'll give the last word to sociologist Dr Jane Gray. I think that in order to improve the lives of older people, we need to think about a, a sort of whole family approach to social policy in Ireland. We need to think about family relationships as extending across the life course from infancy to old age and to think about the, those relationships as a whole rather than focusing on you know, particular sections of family life or thinking about policies for children or policies for older people. I'm not suggesting we don't have those policies, but I think uh, planning to think about families across the life course in the context of the changing demographic patterns that we've spoken of would really uh, be an, a, a major step forward in terms of planning ahead for the different kinds of care and the different challenges that we're likely to face as a society. Uh, both older and younger people. So I think, I think we need to think of it as in a kind of whole family context. That's all for this edition of Like Family. This programme was produced by Eileen Hearn. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash like family.